Welcome to the 168 Podcast, bringing you the best in fitness, health, and all things in between, with your host, Parissa. Hi guys, it's Parissa from 168. Welcome to another episode of the 168 Podcast. I'm here with Andrew Davis, also known as Andy, also known as Tex. Andy. Andy, do you prefer Andy? <laughs> no, definitely not. Not Andy, okay. <laughs> Only Liz can call me Andy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the only person. Nah, Why? Can, uh, I just, that name annoys me for some <laughs> reason. Like, I think it's like, Andy? Um, I remember like my mom, like growing up, like calling me Andy. And like, I remember when I was like 12 years old, I was like, I don't like the name. I was like, can I go by Andrew? Was that when you would get in trouble? All the time. All the time. I was always in trouble. If oh. I heard the name Andy, I knew that something was going on. I knew, I knew I'd screwed up at some point. Okay. I won't call you Andy. I go with Andrew. Most people call me Tex. Okay. Because um, I'm from Texas, from Dallas, Texas originally. Yep. Uh, imported four years ago. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now this is home. Uh, this is actually, it's funny. I went back to the States in January of 20, January 2020, right before COVID hit. And I felt so uncomfortable in Texas. I didn't feel like home anymore. I didn't feel like... If I knew Sydney was my home. Oh, really? And since my daughter's here, and this is now my home, so I'll always be where she is. Yeah. And thankfully, it, it took a few, couple of years for me to get used to being here. But now, this I honestly feel so comfortable here. Like, this is where I was meant to be all along. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we love having you here, especially at 168. Um, give us a bit of an introduction. Oh, yeah, and, introduction. Uh, Man, that's, that's a uh, long one. <laughs> it's, I was, I was going to introduce you. I said this off yeah. before we started recording sure. as well. I was going to introduce you as Andrew Davis PT, and I, I'm not going to do that. But the little Instagram think, plug there. That, that's your Instagram yeah. handle. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am almost a 40-year-old. <laughs> I'm getting close. I don't feel 40. I feel like I'm in my early 30s right now. You don't now. look 40 I at all. I appreciate that. You keep going, keep going. <laughs> no, um, no, I was um, – yeah, I've, I've – Former school teacher. I am a motivational speaker. I'm in the mental health space. That's where my passion is, is working with uh, young men and also adults, new fathers, people who are in similar situations that I found myself in, his, you know, in my previous past, things that I struggled with. And now my life's focus is around finding men that are in these same similar situations and, and for them to have somebody to go to being that go-to guy and just, just really listening because I, I found that with being, uh, being a vulnerable male is not the easiest thing in the world. And I feel like that's one of the biggest issues facing men today. And especially in Australia is, is the suicide rate and the mm -hmm. fact that, that men aren't speaking up. And uh, I want to use my platform and my work that I do on a day to day basis is centered around helping men be more vulnerable and talk about their issues and their problems. Um, so yeah, yeah, I was an athlete for quite a while. I played baseball professionally up until I was about 28 years old. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I went into school teaching and coaching and found a passion in that. And then Funnily enough, I got out of teaching and coaching to open my first CrossFit gym. That's uh, right. Yeah. So. You owned an affiliate over in Texas? Uh, actually, it was in Arkansas. Uh -huh. So I helped, before CrossFit got really popular, I helped a, a mate of mine in Texas open up a CrossFit gym before I even knew what CrossFit was. I thought we were doing like jumping jacks and like star jumps <laughs> and stuff like that. And he, uh, Far from it. he invited me in and the first work I'd ever do with CrossFit was Fran. Oh, and the yeah, first one. The very first one. So I remember doing it and I looked at the, on the board and he said, I want you to do this workout, but I need you to do it under 10 minutes. That's your goal. And I kind of looked at it and I was like, I can do pull-ups. And I was like a squat thrust with, with that low weight. I was like, no problem. It's fine. Easy. 
14 minutes later, I found myself not finishing the workout and I was literally uh, throwing up on a tractor tire oh. outside of the gym for about a good 30 minutes. So when, when, when I felt that pain in that workout in that short of time, I knew that I was missing out on a lot of fitness and that what I was doing wasn't serving me because like I was absolutely wrecked. Yeah. So that was like the birth of my CrossFit experience was Fran. Fourteen from, minute workout. I was I was hooked. Like I don't, when I say I was hooked, like I could not work out. I was working out seven days a week. I was at the CrossFit uh-huh. gym before it opened, waiting on him to open the doors, and then through that, he needed some more coaches. And I've been a I've been a PT for twenty two years of my life. I started uh-huh. when I was sixteen, so. I, I was really excited about that. He sent me to San Diego to get my CrossFit certifications, and I came back and helped him run his gym. I had such a passion for that. An opportunity came up in Arkansas, and I went to Arkansas, moved there, and within six months, I owned my first affiliate. Wow. And I uh, took it. It was a town of 7,000 people, and I got my membership up to about 120 people. And these people were like, Never heard of CrossFit. Like, <laughs> well, this is back in the day when yeah, no one knew what CrossFit knew was. What. That's fantastic. Yeah, there was people literally that lived in the mountains that, like, with huge beards. You can imagine, like, uh, <laughs> an old, like, forty-five-year-old guy with a, a gray beard, just like coming down in like sandals and flip, you know, flip-flops yeah. and a tank top, and asking me if he wanted to work out. And you know, right. I, I had this opportunity to really bring CrossFit into this very rural community that's never heard of it. Yeah. And really push fitness into a community that doesn't doesn't really focus on that. So yes. it was really nice. It was a good experience. Um, I ended up not really enjoying the area I was in. It was really small. Yep. And being from a large area like Dallas, uh, I really missed home. Yeah. So I moved back home. And to be honest with you, I, well, from a business standpoint, I did not know what I was doing. Like, yeah. Absolutely had no idea what I was doing. I was coaching every class. I was cleaning the gym, programming. And I was doing all the financials, marketing, Facebook, website. I was doing it all on my own. You were wearing every single hat. Um, I wore every hat and it actually just, it really kind of deterred me from wanting to own a CrossFit gym yeah. back then. Just because I think the biggest thing was the management of the, of the gym, et cetera. I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd yeah. never really been taught how to manage a business and I didn't really have a business sense at that point in my life. And, but I look back on it in retrospect, it was the most, one of the most amazing learning experiences of my life. And through that experience, I know moving forward what not to do because I've made mm-hmm. all the mistakes. Yep. So now in any business, I own a few businesses now. I, I, I run them a lot differently. And because of those lessons I learned, I'm able to, to have, you know, successful businesses and, you know, yep. and it's, it's gotten easier and it's, it's a hard work still. But like I said, when you do it the right way, it kind of manages itself. So, and now you yeah. know how to do it properly. Yeah. I still make mistakes. So. <laughs> Don't we all do? Yeah, of course. And you learn from them. Yes, of course. You learn from them, but you, you know, doing it the first time around yeah. where you kind of you you think the right thing to do is yeah. to do absolutely everything and right. and it's not long before the exhaustion kicks in and <laughs> the, you run down you're fatigued yeah. and and you lose the drive you kind of lose the passion that was that. really what happened was i lost the passion for crossfit and i just i wanted to change and i, I yeah it was just kind of a yeah it was a time for me to move on i left it i left it to two trainers that i brought up i yeah. i paid for them to go get their crossfit certifications i coached them and I felt confident handing over the gym to two people, and they did really well. In fact, the affiliate is still going in, in Arkansas. Wow. So, yeah, it's been going, golly, for like seven, eight years now. And when the CrossFit, you look on the CrossFit homepage and you look up affiliates on their map, the closest affiliate to my gym was like 80 miles away. So, like, it was like a gym in the middle of nowhere. Wow. And I don't think this town would have ever experienced CrossFit had I not done that, yeah. which so I'm very thankful and grateful for that opportunity. 100%. Yeah. And so you moved back home. 
I did. Well, I, I had to move back home. I remember uh, this is funny. This is a very life changing uh, experience is that I was flat broke. I was, I owned a house or I was renting a house that was pretty expensive. And I remember like for the last four months I was there, I was like every bill that came in, I'd get like five or six bills that month. And I would like, I can pay that. I can pay that one. I can't pay that one. So I, it got to a point where it was rare. It was struggling really bad. And I pretty much went bankrupt. And then when I, I remember when I drove home, I was driving a, like a $40,000 truck that I had bought, pulling a $20,000 boat that I had bought. <sighs> And I had like $17 in my bank account. Oh my God. <laughs> so like, I was driving home so careful because I was like, if I have a flat tire on my boat or my truck, we had eight tires. No, I'm sorry. I had, I had six tires on my boat trailer. So there's 10 oh tires that could have popped. One of them could have possibly popped. And I would have had to have called somebody to come get me because I literally had no money to, would have had no <laughs> money to buy a new tire. So when I moved back home, that was like another restart of my life. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was like a reset, but it was a good learning experience. And I've had three different times in my life where I've literally had to reset from zero. Yep. And, and that's built up a lot of resilience for me. Yeah. And it's helped me move forward. And it's also given me the lesson to manage money better and to, to understand finances and to to have, you know, put money aside, you know, and not spend money on frivolous things. And because yes. I think a lot of people search and find, try to find happiness through possessions and accumulating things. And in reality, no matter how much you buy or, or a new relationship or these new things that we keep chasing, we're chasing happiness and you're not going to find it in possessions or yeah. people. Yeah. You find that internally. And when you can be internally happy, then the things around you are just that much better. But you can't rely on external factors to make you happy. And that's I think that's what a lot of people do. And yeah. the trap that I fell into for a very long time, with especially with relationships, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> chasing relationships and happiness through other people and not being happy with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before I ask you about that, yeah, you mentioned there were three occasions where you had to reset and yes. almost start o over. And, sure. and I was having a conversation with one of the members at the gym uh, two days ago, actually. Young. She's 21. And, uh, you know, in a, at a bit of a crossroads as to what to do with her life mm. and the decisions that she has to make. And so the conversation we were having was, you don't have to know what you're going nah. to do from day one, especially at that age, you right. know. And if you do, that's amazing. Yes. But if you don't, it's not a big deal. Right. You can reset and you can absolutely, you know, 10 years even down the track. Absolutely. <laughs> what, um, you know, in terms of career changes sure. and, and you know, moments where you have sort of gone, okay, I need to yeah. start again or sure. I need to change the direction or I'm right. at a fork in the road. Right. What's the thought process Yeah. and how has that changed from when you were a young adult Sure. as the years have gone by with more experience, yeah. with more yeah. – um, because it's quite a daunting position is. to be in. No, it really is. And I think the, the main reason why we get caught in these crossroads is because we're not clear on our intentions on what we really want. We get pushed and pulled in different directions based on what we focus our attention on mm -hmm. and the people that we surround ourselves with. So you may be getting pressure from friends that are successful that are doing this or your parents have done this and they're pushing you or pressuring you to do something. Society in general will push and pull you in different directions. And that's because a lot of people aren't really clear on what they really want. And they do things to keep, to be safe. Yeah. Um, people, a lot of people get stuck in jobs that they're not, that they don't like and that, that's not serving them because we get in this trap of needing to make money and to pay these bills and to support this and to support that. 
But at the end of the day, if you're not happy with what you're doing, it's not sustainable long term. And it's going to have a, a retro uh, re- retro effect on your relationships with your partner, with your mm-hmm. family, with any of your friends uh, or coworkers even. So I think the best advice or what I took from my experience was that, what do I really want? Mm-hmm. And for me to find that, I had to experience new things. Yeah, I had to do things that I had not done before that scared me. Um, and through those new experiences, we, we form new connections and new neurocircuitry in our brain. And, and that leads us into other directions. And the more you do something that scares you or that's different, the stronger those neuro connections become. And then you gain confidence through those experiences. So yeah. a lot of people, we were talking about motivation. A lot of people are sitting around waiting for motivation. I don't have motivation to do this. I don't have motivation to do that. They're looking for an external force. To, to give them that desire or that motivation to move forward and to do something. Well, that's not how motivation works. So mm. motivation isn't something that we have or we don't have. It's something that you must create. Yeah. And the only way to create motivation is to actually take action and do things. Uh, the way dopamine works in the brain is that it, it, you don't get – it's the reward you get for the the effort that you're putting in. So it's the, it's the action that you take and that – you don't get like the, re- the results not going to keep you motivated. It's literally the day to day things that you do that keeps you going. Yeah. And the dopamine hit comes in every time you do something new. And, and like, let's say if you're going to run a, like a mile, um, you wouldn't just wake up and go run a mile if you've never run before. Like the first thing you should do is wake up, put your shoes on and like go out the door. Like yeah. it's step by step. We get uh, dopamine hits in the process of going towards a goal. It's yeah. the action taken. It's not the result. Because as soon as you get to a result, the goalpost just gets further. Yeah. And further and further and further. It's like a puzzle that never, never, you're never going to solve the puzzle. It's just you play it better and you learn how to play it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck uh, in, in that translation or stuck in that, you know, trying to find their motivation when all they have to do is take action. It's just do something. Just one do something. Small thing. Just one thing. Like yeah. literally, like every time you do something, you get that reinforcement with that dopamine hit. And yeah. Yeah. So, and then, Dopamine actually regulates um, your adrenaline. So like you don't get the adrenaline dump. If you're focused on the process rather than the end results, you don't worry about adrenaline dumps and, and getting those days where you're just like, you don't want to do it. You're yeah. like, you already hit your goal and then you, you lose focus on what you want to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's just the action taken towards the goal is what people should be really focusing on. And to tie that back into like starting something new or being in a crossroads is that literally just go out and do new things and you'll find your motivation. You'll find your passions through new experiences. And if you don't like something, then don't do it. Do something differently. I honestly think people should do two new things every single month. Yeah. Whether that's throwing an ax or like jumping out of an airplane or or whatever it is, like it, it just needs to do something that you've not done before. Yeah. And, and, and through that is where you find your passions and who knows where you'll go from those new experiences. But like I said, people get stuck in their routines and things like that. And these new things may scare them or deter them away from doing it. When in reality, that's exactly what they need to be doing. Well, they should be doing. Yeah. And there's definitely, you're right. There's that fear of if I try this, what if, what if I fail or what if there's judgment or yeah. what if I really, really, really do love this and it, there's um, well, there is, my, yeah. Like, There's the fear. It's not always negative. It's like, what if I really enjoy this? And then, like, what if I have to uproot my life and yeah. change because I found that's okay. Yeah. I like, honestly, like, I've been, I, I moved 16,000 miles away from my family 
on the you know at the blink of an eye like i didn't even think about it i was like yes i'm in like <laughs> what was what was it that brought you over if you a don't girl. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> i got recruited so my ex-wife uh, nicole absolutely amazing human she's uh yeah she's a fantastic mother human we're actually have an amazing relationship now better than it ever was when we were together that's fantastic so um yeah that took a lot of work that took a lot of emotional maturity and intelligence on my part uh and hers as well yeah but at, at the end of the day we decided that it's not about us it's about our daughter and yeah. we we both want to give our daughter a better you know life experience than we had you know yeah. and and that's what it's about so she she recruited me um that's a very long story okay. <laughs> super long story <laughs> we'll just cut it short i met her 5 years previous coaching at a crossfit gym randomly she was in texas on holiday seeing a mate okay and she just googled crossfit and popped into my gym and i coached her and then uh yeah, we talked for about six months, long distance, and then like I got a message randomly, hey, I've gotten back from my ex-boyfriend. I'm probably not going to be chatting at you anymore or calling you. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I was a little bit upset about it. But yeah. then literally almost an entire – like probably two, almost three years later, I get a, I randomly messaged her just to see how she was doing. And yeah. she was like ecstatic that I messaged her and she called me and then like she said, hey, I want to mm-hmm. come see you. And then from there she flew over and then, you know – we thought we were in love and like, it was like this wow. new thing and it was amazing. It was a great experience. And then long story short, we had a long distance relationship for about eight months. And then she asked me to come to Australia and then I came here for holiday and I was like, I don't want to leave. Wow. So then, uh, we literally, <laughs> we got married while I was here. <laughs> no we went way. down to birth, deaths and marriages and got married. And then, uh, I flew back home to the States and closed my business, sold everything I owned. Literally, I had garage sale and like I was selling like pots and pans and like shirts, t-shirts and everything. And literally, I, uh, flew back to Australia with a backpack and a suitcase is everything I owned in a big wallet, a big, not a big wallet of cash, but like, I came over with some U.S. cash. That's all I owned. Like I had everything in my pocket, in my wow. bags. That was it. That's it. And just restarted my life here. At the age of 34, so your mate that's 21, yeah. like I would, yeah, like I'm just telling her like go have fun, experience life yeah. and like make mistakes, screw up. Like It's good to make yeah, mistakes. Like you, you know, to some extent, yes, you learn from other people's mistakes, but also go through the life experiences yes. and stuff up and realize what's going to work for you and what's not. Right. Um. You know, I've I've made many mistakes before, both in business and life and everything, and you, we you learn do. from it. We all do. <laughs> we and all do. And it's the best way to learn. And we're our biggest critic, so and it's it's a lot of us like to think that our problems are unique and the things that we go through are unique. But it, to be completely honest, every one of us is struggling with the same type of problems, mm-hmm. and 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 the more that you're forthcoming you are with those, the easier it is to find people that will kind of give you good advice. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anybody can solve your problems, but they can kind of teach you how to solve your own problems, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think, honestly, the biggest asset that I've had or the, the biggest catalyst in my life has been all these new experiences and not fearing doing new things. Uh, yep. I've worn a lot of hats. I've been a teacher. I've been, you know, I've been a salesman. I used to design fitness centers. Uh, mm-hmm. used to own a podcast studio, yep. um, motivational speaking now. So there's a lot of things that I've done. That's just like half of the jobs I've had, literally. Yeah. Like I could keep going on. But I look back on that and – I didn't really have clear intentions when I was younger, but I, throughout the, all these life experiences, I found my passion through that. Yeah. Never thought it would be mental health. Never thought it would be speaking in schools in front of people about men's problems and vulnerabilities and suicide and drug addictions and, and relationship issues and divorce and stuff like that. But now I find myself with all the, 
with all the, tr- the pain that I've gone through and trauma that I've been through in my life, I now have a platform where I can actually talk about that and be vulnerable and normalize the stigma around, like drop the stigma and normalize this because we're all struggling with the same type of issues. Yeah. So that all came from life experience. And had I been fearful of, of doing new things, I may not have been in the situation I am now. Yeah. So I'm actually grateful for every, you know, every problem that's I've faced. And, and I, Problems don't happen to you, they happen for you. Mm. So that's a big thing that I think about is that this isn't happening to me, this is happening for me because I know on the other end of this problem is a solution and then it's a lesson. And then I can teach that to somebody else or express that to somebody else and maybe it'll help somebody else. Is Is that a difficult mindset, do you think, for a lot of people? To get into, to look at a problem as an opportunity to learn something new. People's biggest problem is the fact that they think that they shouldn't have them. Like, honestly, like people think that, I mean, like, look at Jay-Z. Jay-Z had 99 of them. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, on a a serious note, I think a lot of people are are going around thinking that they shouldn't have bad days or they shouldn't have anger sometimes or they shouldn't experience certain emotions. And and that's not the way life is. It's it's the balance of, of being able to be aware of those days when you're not having such a good day or things happen to you or a problem arises and being able to look at it objectively Mm. and, and then... And then being able to, to, to solve that problem and understand on the other side of that problem is a solution. And like I said, a lesson. And then it's like the next time I f- come to this problem, which you probably are, mm. I've already got a solution for it. I've already done this. Yeah. And then those problems kind of go away. Yeah. And they're no longer problems. No it's problems. like I've been there before. I've done that. And then you could be in a position where you're modeling that behavior that you're modeling is somebody's looking up to you. And people are always watching. So yeah. how you handle certain situations um, – it really determines on, on how the lessons you are when you when you help somebody else. So you can yeah. actually help people with what you go through. And yeah. the more the, and the more we talk about our issues and the problems, the more it becomes normal. And then it's then it's like one of those things where if you talk about it, a lot of people will help you, and a lot of people will see that. And, and I think that one of the biggest issues, like I said, is people not speaking up about their problems and, and suppressing their emotions. And a suppressed emotion leads to depression. Depression leads to disease. Disease leads to decay and then to disintegration. So mm-hmm. it's just like this like downward spiral and it all starts with a suppressed emotion. Yeah. And the only way to get rid of a suppressed emotion is to express it. So when we internalize our issues, they become bigger issues. Yeah. So now I'm like a, a walking, like, like I tell everybody about my problems. Right? Like, I don't care. Like I'll, I have, I have three coaches. I have two therapists. I've been working with a coach for four years. Um, and through that and being able to grow through that, my emotional intelligence has gone up and yeah. now I'm able to really be aware of certain situations. Like I used to have really bad anger issues where I would lash out. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody did something to me, I would immediately respond. My partner says something I don't like, I'd immediately respond. It's because I had an expectation on how that I wanted them to behave. And yeah. I found through that is that you can't control another human. I can't control what somebody else is doing or what they're saying or even what they're thinking. All I can control is my perception of an event and my behavior from that event. And then it's the whole gap between stimulus and response. So when you can actually extend the gap between stimulus and response, you can actually be in a situation and you take a little bit longer to respond to something. So you can actually appropriately think about it and Mm. process it. And then instead of reacting to it, you can actually respond. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the mission I've been on the last really two years is, is, is really widening the gap between stimulus and response and being more aware of those situations. Because we, it's all great to learn about things, but when, it, when life slaps you in the face, is how do you deal with it? It's like in that moment, that's yeah. the part where we have to work on is that being able to identify when we're in about to get in that situation. Yeah. 
So yeah. Is this a lot of the stuff that you you talk about in your in you with your coaching, your mindset coaching, and, and your motivational speaking and stuff like that? Yeah, we we talk a lot about addictions. We talk a lot about the gap between stimulus and response. Um, yeah, I think the the emotional maturity and and, uh, and emotional intelligence really increases when you're able to be aware. That's the first step of anything is just to be aware. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, like I said before, don't like to think that we have problems. So we're, we're stuck in that first step of not being able to be aware of the issues. We like to think that we're don't have the, and that's the ego. Yeah. The ego don't want to have problems. The ego yeah. wants to be perfect. The ego wants to know what's happening. And, but the truth know is the answer. Yeah. You want to know the mm -hmm. answer and you like to think you don't have issues. And, and I think that the, when, when you're able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, look, I have these issues I need to work on, that's yep. huge and that's powerful. And when you get to that point, the next step, it, you know, there's there's a lot of steps there. <laughs> yeah. But the first step is being aware. When you're emotionally aware of your situation and what you struggle with, you can actually start making it better. Yeah. And nothing's going to change unless you change something. So that's – we get stuck in habits. We get stuck in these routines because our body actually takes over our mind. When you do something enough times – your body just does it automatically and your mind doesn't have to think about it. So, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's a big one. That's really interesting. I was listening to another podcast recently with James Clear. Yeah, it's great. Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. Read it seven times. Have you? <laughs> yeah. I've, that's, that's on my uh, next, it's a good one. next list. I'm oh, on it's, the... it's a must read. Is it? Oh, yeah. My mate James Smith had James Clear on his podcast. That was we, the... uh, that's how I found him was through James Smith and that book right there changed my life. It's... I... I'm just in the middle of James Smith's book, Not a oh, Life nice. Coach, yeah, and nice. the next one on the list is yeah. Atomic Habits. The, the biggest thing from Atomic Habits is, is, is about obviously habits. It's bad habits. Make them very hard and yeah. make your good habits easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the thing that really it, – it seemed so, so simple and, and thinking about it now, I'm like it's, it, it's so easy, but it blew my mind. And he was talking about the example he used was, um, you know, wanting to, for example, wanting to start doing yoga. You're right. And he was saying, you start with the most basic task yeah. on a daily basis. And that is take out the yoga mat yep. and roll it out. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. Not yep. even do anything. That's just right. take out the mat. And he said, after, you know, after doing that for a certain amount of time, your body just does it. Yep. It just becomes That's right. normal. You don't even think about That's it. That's right. And the next step is five minutes of something, then add, yeah. then add, then add. And then all of a sudden, these really, really little minuscule tasks that on a day-to-day -day basis right. don't do anything or right. you don't think are doing sure. anything in the long term, right. all of a sudden. You got to remove barriers, right? Yeah. It's because our brain is there to preserve us yeah. and it doesn't want to do certain tasks because it's like, oh, you're going to be tired. You're going to do this and that or this and that. And so there's, there's Mel Robbins. If you've heard of Mel Robbins, she has mm -hmm. a five second rule. And this is, this is science. There's a lot of studies that show this is that when you, when you have a thing, when you have a thought about doing something. So like if I wake up in the morning and my thought is I've got to get out of bed. If you don't get out of bed in five seconds, you're going to think of every excuse to hit the snooze button. Yeah. Like literally your brain's like, nah, I go back to sleep. Like you literally is trying to preserve itself and not use energy, right? Cause mm -hmm. you know, energy is going to wear you down and your brain doesn't want that. It wants to be perfect. Wants, you know, yeah. so 
she has a rule where it's like when she wakes up, it's five, four, three, two, one, and she's up. Done. And that's what it is. That's how you should treat everything. So if you have the impulse to go run, it's five, four, three, two, one, and like you've got your shoes on, you're out the door, right? And yep. how you do that is I I reset the room every night. So like there's it's called resetting the room. So let's so to speak, like if I needed to run that next morning and, and I'm going to literally put my shoes out. I'm going to put my shorts on top of my shoes. I'm going to put my running shirt out. I'm going to have everything ready. So when I wake up, I don't have any barriers to go through. I don't have to go into my drawer and get my socks out. I don't have to get my shoes out. I don't, sometimes I'll just sleep in my running shorts. So I'm removing all these barriers because any barrier that you have is going to be a deterrent. And the exact opposite is true for bad habits. So if you want to stop a bad habit, put, you need to put steps in between you and your bad habits. So let's say if you're a smoker, if you have a pack of cigarettes, when you come home from work, you put it out on your on just on top of your your table that's like readily available to you. So every time you see your pack of cigarettes, that's a trigger. Yeah. Instead, take your cigarettes, put them in your closet in a locked box, mm-hmm. take the key, put it in a drawer in another room. Yeah. So in order for you to smoke a cigarette, you have to get up, you have to go into get the key, yeah. you got to go and take the key and put it in the lock box, open up the drawer, take it out, and then you, you know what I'm saying. That's so, a lot more effort. <laughs> and like I said, your brain's trying to preserve itself. So the more energy that you have to to take, or the more energy that you have to use to do something, the less likely you're going to do it. Yeah. And the exact opposite is true. The less energy that required, you're more likely to do something. Yeah. So that's how you – this is one tool. Now, is that going to solve your problems in one day? Obviously not. And like you said before, it's a matter of routinely doing this. Yeah. And, and the more you do it, the more the body takes over the mind and then it becomes an actual habit where you're not even consciously aware that you're doing it. You're just doing it. Yeah. So this is – that's the, the probably the best advice for good and bad habits. And if you're like me, I used to have a lot of bad habits and I still have some bad habits. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think about that every time that I do this is that what do I need to do to create boundaries or to create some type of – you just have to disrupt the behavior. You have to interrupt the, the system. Yeah. And that's uh, – we're, we're hardwired. We're like computers. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, – And and this ties back into what you were saying about motivation yes. because every time you do it, every time you do that small task, that's uh, – and look, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about motivation whereas – is it more discipline or is it motivation? Because at some point, yeah. the motivation – Absolutely. Goes away. Discipline's way stronger than motivation. Right. When you're a disciplined, you're going to do it no matter what, if you're motivated or not. Like, I don't like taking cold showers in the morning. Like, I'm never motivated to wake up and take a cold shower, yeah. but I'm disciplined to do it. Yeah. And I feel like crap if I don't do it. Yeah. That's discipline. And discipline will take over motivation. But like, if you're trying to do something new, um, motivation's important. Yeah. Um, you have to want to do it, like, to a certain extent. And you have to find the intrinsic. There's two different types of motivation. We have intrinsic motivation, which is internal. Mm -hmm. That's doing something because you want to do it no matter what. You don't need a reward. You don't need any type of external validation. Uh, You just do it because you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Then there's – we so we have extrinsic motivation and intrinsic. So extrinsic would be external. So that's a reward-based motivation where there's a prize at the end is that if I do this task, I get this in return. Mm -hmm. Most people are driven more by their – their extrinsic motivation, which isn't sustainable long term. And that's why you see a lot of people falling off on diets, falling off on workout programs, because they're trying to get that reward at the end. Yeah. And they're not actually enjoying what they're doing. Yeah. 
So if you struggle with motivation, find your intrinsic motivation and what drives you and what actually makes you happy. And then you do it regardless of the prize or not and reward. And that's a sustainable approach long term is because we want to, I mean, it's just common sense. We want to do things that we enjoy. Yeah. Like if I hated going running every morning, at some point my motivation is going to run off. Yeah. And, and, and you can't just keep running further and further and further because that you, you need more, you need more reinforcement than that. Yeah. And you need something if you're externally driven as feedback and, and, like I like going to BJJ. I like doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I love swimming. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell me to go to BJJ. You don't have to tell me to go swim. I do these things because I enjoy them and I'm intrinsically motivated to do them. Yeah. There's no external reward for me other than like the ranking system, but that's not why I do it. Yeah. I just do it because I enjoy it. Yeah. And I think if people would focus more on the intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic, because yes. like I said before, we're always chasing something. We need something to give us feedback, like mm-hmm. relationship, whatever, a prize, something that's where that motivation will run out and you can't rely on that long term. Yeah. yeah. And if you're enjoying it, that's going to, yeah. if it's something you enjoy, you keep going. You'll do it forever. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And yeah. And, and it, it'll, it serves you too. You feel better about it. Like yeah. you feel good after doing something you enjoy. It makes you happy. Like people that are sad, I tell them like the very most simplest question is what makes you happy? Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people don't even know what makes them happy. I was going to ask you, do you have a lot of responses <laughs> yeah. that just... They don't know. don't know. And that's because people have gotten stuck in routine and conditioning. And they're doing things not with clear intentions, but because they're just routinely doing them. And it's part of their body takes over the mind thing. And mm-hmm. and that's why I tell people to, to have new experiences. Because you may find something in a new experience that that gives you intrinsic motivation. Like... Like I'll take axe throwing for like a, an example. Like we went axe throwing the other day, like with a group, and uh, like I like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something I'm probably going to do forever. But maybe somebody may love that, you That's know it. what I mean? And you may yeah. find yourself in like this, you know, career path of being an axe thrower, like a professional axe thrower, opening your own axe studio. Like yeah. you never know until you have these experiences, and then be aware of when you are happy in a moment. I think we get so focused on future and past that we forget to be present in the moment. So we mm-hmm. miss out like feeling those feelings sometimes because we're thinking about something the next day or the next week or, or something that happened in the past and we get stuck in that. So I think that the more present you're able to be during these experiences, the stronger those connections are going to be and the more likely you are maybe to find something you enjoy. 100%. Yeah. And it's what makes you happy, not what you think you should be doing. Because exactly. It's what society yeah. or you'll get pushed and pulled in many different directions. I've been pushed and pulled and like and when you compare yourself to other people, comparison's a thief of joy. Mm-hmm. I've gone on, you know, three or four year goals of trying to achieve something because one of my mates did it and I was a little bit jealous. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I should be doing this because look how happy they are and yeah. like I think I could do this and be happy and and then in reality it's like I'm then I start doing it for extrinsic reasons and then the mm. motivation wears off. Yeah. Because I wasn't doing it because I enjoy it. I was doing it because I needed something in return. Yeah. Or in I needed some type of reward in return. And social media plays a huge <laughs> part in that. Yeah. I mean, that's Social's a whole other ball game. But. Yeah, it is. You know, I've found that you, social media, you're either, you, you can be a consumer or a producer or you can be a little bit of both. I found that obviously comparison is the thief of joy. You... There's so many people out there that are putting on a facade. Mm-hmm. There's so many people out there that aren't living authentically through their Instagram. Like a lot of even people that I know that have massive followings, like they're nothing like their Instagram. Okay. And I think that the more you get caught up in that, the less happy you're going to be. And there's forces way above us that know how we think and know how we operate. Mm-hmm. And they know, like, I mean, it's a system, right? So the less I, I think you can, it can be a positive tool if you use it as a platform to talk about 
your what you're you know what makes you happy whatever if you're a good if you use the platform for a good reason there's a lot of things you can do on that that's good but there's also this other dark side of it where if you get caught being a consumer Mm -hmm. you can literally just be comparing yourself to other people and then you can it strips away your happiness and then you feel a lot of your self-value drops and and then you know you get confused and it's like there's all these different people out there and you have to be very careful and on who you follow and who you choose to, to, to spend your time looking at. And yeah. I've found that me, I can't sit there and scroll through social media without getting upset. Yeah. Like, I can't do it. Like it's, it's not, I mean, one little thing will trigger me. And then like, and then you're like in the comment section reading comments. Like yes. I know people spend a lot of time doing this and I can tell you that it's, it's just like, it's just like, um, it's not a good thing. Like you just, you have to, you have to be able to, to just limit that and yeah. understand that what you're looking at is, it's almost like a production. Yes. You have to look at it as entertainment. But like I said, there are people out there that are very good ambassadors for certain, you know, like mental health or fitness and, and you have to find those people. Yeah. But all, unfortunately in our society is that we like to put people at the top that, or not, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like we, well, yeah, we glorify, you know, we glorify these people at the top that, you know, could be promoting, you know, bullshit products or whatever, or just, you know, not, not very good people in general, uh, or just have, you know, have different intentions and, you know, yeah. than just getting out good content and adding value to the world. I think a lot of people are just out there looking for follows, likes and yes. monetizing on their brands and using discount codes, getting kickbacks from companies. It's, uh, it's very, it's very slippery slope, but I think the more you can limit it and the more you can just be aware that it's not real life. Yeah. It's just not real life. Yeah. Yeah. And not to compare. Comparison is the thief of joy. 100%. If you compare yourself to other people, you can, you can basically, you, you, that's, it's a cause of unhappiness. Yeah. Right? And a lot of people are struggling because they sit there and wonder why their life's not amazing. Yeah. You don't see all the, the, photos before the the photo they post on Instagram or the photos after you don't know what they're struggling with before and after people put on the facade and people like to post like they don't have issues and like they live a perfect life. But, Mm -hmm. and that's not reality is that we're all, we all have bad days. We all struggle. And then the fitness industry, like you have people posting pictures when they're at like prep, prep like when they're at the body fat percentage where they're about to step on stage and yeah. then they post those pictures year round so it gives the the false uh identity that they look like that year round all the time yeah, yeah. and like that's not yeah. real like it's it's not reality and i think that it can be very damaging and that that's obviously something that the people who are producing that content need to be aware of but obviously people are monetizing on their brands and yeah it's pretty sad. And but, like uh, you said, it's about the likes and the follows, not yeah. about the value. Yeah, it's not the value, yeah. Does this – this is going down a whole yeah, other no, rabbit hole, but does this concern you being a father now? Yes, it does. Because um, it, it, it's something I'm a lot more aware of. It concerns well. me, but I think that a lot of people overcorrect here. I think a lot of people overcorrect and they try to – prepare the road for the child and not the child for the road, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think that the more education that you can give to your child when they're ready about these things, photoshopping, manipulating images, um, reality versus, and the more you can educate somebody on that, then they can be aware of it. And then they can actually, you know, seek, see through that. That's one of the things that I do in my motivational talks at schools. And one thing we really talk about is social media Mm -hmm. and how, People are literally using apps to Photoshop their images. They're, they're, they've been doing that for a long time now. And it's just like this false sense of reality. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of people fall into those traps and I mean, it, it'll tug and pull you in different directions and make you have low self-worth. And we actually discussed this. It's actually, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty damaging. It's actually damaging. And you would be seeing this a lot more now in young boys. Yes. Um, you know, what, what was traditionally, I guess, something that you associated with, with young girls, body image issues mm. and, and things like that. We're seeing a lot more yeah. of that now in guys and well, at a younger and younger age. Yeah. What, what's something about me that you may not know is I had, I, I had an eating disorder for nine years. I had bulimia from about age, I would say I was about 18, 19 years old to about 27. Oh. I had bulimia where it was it damaged my digestive system. Um, I didn't know what I had. I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what was going on, but I know that where it came from was I was in the bodybuilding industry. I was always at fitness gyms that had a lot of bodybuilders in it, a lot mm. of big guys. I was naive at that point in my life about steroids and about performance enhancing drugs. So here I am at this 17, 18 years old trying to achieve an amazing body like the people I saw in magazines, uh, Olympia and all these different platforms and in the gym and my peers that I developed an eating disorder because I wanted a perfect body. And I was mm. wondering why I was a chubby redheaded kid. And I, I, was, I was a chubby kid. Um, and so through that, I developed an eating disorder and uh, I can't imagine we didn't have social media back then. We'd have Instagram and Facebook. So you're, I'm talking about magazines and yeah. like watching stuff on TV, like WWF or whatever, UFC, yeah. whatever, anything. Yeah. And I can't imagine the amount of pressure that kids are getting flipping through Instagram. Uh, perfect bodies being displayed and it's like normal that's like normal and like i said before like they're posting pictures of them year around where they think they look like this and yeah young it's damaging young boys and it's it's there's a very very massive percentage of young boys that deal with eating disorders that goes untalked about i know a guy that runs the there's a ward in the hospital i think the, the i can't remember the name of it but it's in the city and there's an actual ward that's dedicated to boys with eating disorders and it's wow. full and there's like a waiting list Wow. Yeah. And there's two things going on here. It's something that boys, it's not typically associated with boys. Yeah. And the next thing is boys don't talk about the problems. Yeah. So it, until it becomes too late. In fact, my mentor, one of my mentors from BU coaching up in Newcastle, his name's Declan. Um, he had an eating disorder, bulimia, just like me. And he, it got so bad that where he, he had to go to the hospital and he had to be in, in, you know, under care. And like he said in his story, he didn't know. He didn't know what he was dealing with. He had didn't know he had a problem. And like I said, I didn't know I had a problem. And it was um yeah, it was it was tough. And and a lot of that came from pressures from peers. And I can't imagine now with, with teenage boys dealing with, with that on yeah. a very large scale. And yeah, that's it's 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 tough. And I think that, that has contributed to this the actually the suicide rate being high in Australia and in Sydney or in, in Australia in general versus other countries is that boys are comparing themselves and seeing these, you know, just being falsely misled by what they're seeing on social media. Yeah. I think we should do a part two. 100%. Um, Cause there's a lot more that I'd like to dive into, yeah. but it was, I, I learned a lot. Um, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it. Where can we reach you? If people want to reach out. Yeah. So at Andrew Davis PT on Instagram, that's probably the easiest way. I have a podcast, not a fitness podcast. It's, uh, I just started it. So yeah, that's probably the best two two ways to reach me. Yeah, and yeah. we'll put that out um, yeah. when we when we post this. Perfect. We'll put all your contact details Amazing. on there. And thank you so so much for your time. I really appreciate it's it. My pleasure. And uh, and look forward to part two. Amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Have a good one. Bye.
Thanks so much for joining us on the 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and follow us at 168 Podcast on socials. We'll see you next time.